Welcome to Sports and Stogies. Now, introducing your hosts, Cameron Winklewitz and Austin Hayes. Pull up a chair, pour up a drink, and light that cigar. It's time for Sports and Stogies, episode 11. Cam. What's going on, everybody? We got a great episode laid out for you guys today. We're going to start out with our cigars and drinks tonight, obviously. Austin, what are you smoking on? Tonight, I've got the Crown Heads Mil Diaz. This is a, um, have a light Maduro wrapper. Um, goes for 10, 11 bucks. Um, I've had two or three of these before. Always a solid stick. And after the, uh, the two sticks we both puffed on earlier, I need something a little bit lighter to kind of end the night with. How about you? I got the uh, Diamond Crown Julius Caesar here. Uh, just like you said, something a little lighter, a little easier down than uh, after our adventures today. Um, it's an earthy, coffee, hazelnutty kind of smoke. So should be pretty easy down the hatch. And in our glasses, we have Four Roses Single Barrel, which I picked up yesterday which was my number two favorite bourbon on our top five list a couple weeks ago. Um, about 100 proof, 45, 50 bucks. And for me, it's like drinking a chocolate-covered cherry. Have you picked up on that yet? A little bit, yeah. Now, the most exciting thing, which we've been, if we sound a little lethargic, we've been up since 4 o'clock this morning. It's currently about 1 o'clock while we're recording this. A.M., of course. Um, so where were we today, Cam? We were in a little town called Hubbard, Ohio, and we were checking out a lounge called Cigaro with some great friends we made today, uh, Steve and Jamie, um, great guys. They own the lounge out there and you guys will be learning all about them this week and next week when the two interview episodes drop. So be on the lookout for that, for sure. Yeah, so when you guys are hearing this, the first interview episode I've already dropped, um, that was with just Steve. And then the one with Jamie and Steve will be, after you hear this, this coming Wednesday. Uh, but yeah, really cool, man. They found us through the House Cigar Mafia. And Steve reached out to Cam, said, hey, you guys come out here, tour the, uh, the shop, the lounge, have a smoke, and come interview us. So, of course, we jumped on the opportunity for that. Got up bright and early. Made a three-and-a-half-hour drive up north. Got up there about 12.30. Didn't leave till 8.30. And I tell you what, time, time went by too quick. It was an absolutely incredible day. Definitely the best lounge I've been to yet. Um, we had their, their house brand, the... El Periodico. Periodico, that's right. Which, of course, stands for the newspaper. Because their sticks are wrapped in newspapers, um, hand-rolled by a guy down in Miami that exclusively rolls these sticks for the Cigarro Lounge. Um, they completely match the hype, which we'll talk about this a lot more on the interview episode, so I'm not going to go in too much depth on it here. But um, the overall, just an incredible experience, great day with those two guys. So hospitable, so welcoming, and um, a real honor to go out there for our first in-person interview show. Which we are hoping to hear a lot of feedback from you guys about if it's something we should continue or something like that because we had a blast. 
Yeah, both of those shows are completely devoid of sports talk. I guess unless you count um, Jamie's boxing experience, which was fascinating. Um, he judged the Jake Paul and um, Tyron Woodley fight. He's judged handfuls of world championship bouts. I think he's judged like 170 fights total. I think just under 200. Yes, sir. or something. Um, fascinating guy, so definitely check those out. Um, a lot of great shop talk, how they started, how they got going, how they discovered their house blend. Um, a lot of great knowledge. It was an honor to go there. Yeah, and uh, again, we just can't really thank them enough. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and hopefully it's something you guys enjoy so we can continue doing it in the future. Uh, we got a couple connections out there and did some networking for potential future interviews so that will be good if that's what you guys are into obviously we don't want to do something you guys don't like we'll just go out there just for us if you guys don't like it so uh spoiler i think they're gonna like it uh, i think it's by far my favorite episode we've without ever a doubt two of the most again the most fascinating people i've met not just in the cigar community but as a whole i mean a lot of great stories and knowledge there and just a lot of fun to hang out with in that, again, that beautiful studio space. We posted a lot of pictures of that today. You guys have checked that out on our Facebook, Instagram. Um, I don't think anything on TikTok. I don't think we ended up nah, doing anything there. But, yeah, just a gorgeous place. Go like them on uh, Cigaro on their Facebook page. Their emails is CigaroCigarLounge.com. Is their website, I should say. Uh, Cigaro with an S. So, again, can't think of them enough. Can't um, promote them enough. If you guys are around that area, it's a must-stop. And if you're not, it's worth the drive. Every bit of it. Yeah, just the lounge itself. It's a destination spot, and you get one-of-a-kind sticks. I mean, we were gifted a handful to take home that we're probably going to give to a couple close friends so they can try it out and maybe one day make the drive up there themselves. But with all that, let's jump right into fan questions. we got a sports show to do. First up. Did Kirk Cousins prove that he could finally win a big game with that win over Buffalo in Buffalo? I mean, that was a big game, and he won it. The Vikings sort won of. it. I don't know that Kirk Cousins won it. You're right. And that's um, not hating on Kirk. No. I'm a Kirk fan. Yeah. But I don't think this one game here in November proved that, you know, come playoff time, you're down four or two minutes to go. Is Kirk the guy you trust? And honestly, it doesn't matter. As long as you throw it in the vicinity of Justin Jefferson, he's going to make the play. Uh, he proved that this past week, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see Kirk Cousins win big games, but until, you know, it's a... Which, don't get me wrong, beating the Bills in Buffalo, coming back like they did, that, I mean, that really is a big game. But during those final plays and that just wasn't like the super elite quarterback that was making doing a lot of playmaking and stuff it was more like elite wide receivers doing a lot of playmaking and their defense killed it so i think we need and the bills also just shot themselves in the foot yeah a couple times yeah they did that too so i think we need to see a little bit more on the elite side of kirk cousins before i can say that yes he can win you a big game uh, they've got Dallas this coming week. He goes back-to-back. I guess Buffalo and the Cowboys might win me over. 
Um, next up, should the UFC adjust their weigh-in process? I believe, how long do they weigh in before a fight? So I believe it's two nights before the fight is the official weigh-ins. Yeah, um, I would like to see that go to night before. Just so, like, you know, guys like Cannoneer or these big guys that have fought in heavyweight that cut down to 185, like, I don't want to see them put on 30 or 40 more pounds and then go into the fight. Is that competition-based or fighter health-based? Because I think guys, you know, dropping 30 pounds of water weight is one of the most unhealthy things you can do in that short amount of time especially. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's both. Um, I mean, look at the – if you look at the top guys in all the divisions, they're always oversized for the division. So it's kind of like it's it's an unfair advantage really because they have so much time to put back on weight and get back to their natural weight. You got guys at 185 fighting at 215. Which is what spawned this question, referring to Alex Pereira, of course. Yeah, naturally. And, yeah, that dude's massive. He's big for a light heavyweight. Yeah. Let alone a uh, middleweight. Like, he could have, he looked like he was all of 220 going into the Izzy fight. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like a day before they could still put on some weight, but not 30 to 40 pounds worth. Now, I believe that both Bellator and One have a water percentage. Um, Qualification where you have yeah. to have so much water in your body. I'd like to see the UFC adapt that. Yeah, hydrate it. That should def- yeah, test. whatever they call that. Um, I think that would definitely help fighter health and put guys in the classes they probably belong in. Right, and that, at the end of the day, that's really like fighter health and just be in the weight class you're supposed to be in. Like if you walk around at two fifteen, that's your natural weight. Why would you? want to cut down to 185 Look, guys cut 10 pounds 15 pounds that's not a big deal but when you're cutting 30 that's just, that's absurd yeah that's crazy so overall yeah i think maybe going a day before the fight and then that hydration test would be steps in the right direction um whether the ufc actually embraces that or not will yet to be determined that's uh, been this long so yeah i'm gonna assume probably not until somebody gets seriously injured from that but you see guys in the in the ceremonial weigh-ins look unhealthy. Oh, they look it's gaunt. Almost, yeah, it's almost gross. And then they interview him right after, and the guys can barely speak. Oh, yeah, they look like ghosts. On death's door. Yeah, which, I mean, they probably are. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not a fighter. Then you got a couple guys like Izzy who like don't cut at all. Yeah, he's just a natural. I mean, he's... he's Where he belongs. Yeah, but he's still big, but he's not big weight-wise. He's just big in length and height which is a completely different thing. That's like Sean O'Malley is at his natural weight. He's just a tall guy or Max Holloway or, you know, yeah, you get these guys that are tall and lanky, but, you know, guys like Volk or Cannoneer or guys like that who are, yes, they're still big weight-wise as far as their natural weight goes, but I don't think they're at a disadvantage because they're these guys are taller because I think they can get inside and, it, it, barring their takedown defense is ungodly, they should just be able to get them to the ground with their pure muscle mass they have. Should. Should. Now, straight to NFL news, I think 
not just me and Cam, but probably the NFL as a whole, owes a big apology to the Colts and Jeff Saturday, who came out and beat the Raiders in his first week, first staff with no experience calling plays, put Matt Ryan back in, and they look like a competent football team again. And after we recorded last week, we had finished up, and then we watched Saturday's press conference, where he totally won us both over. Immediately. Immediately. Um, whether or not he has the play calling or the uh, the coaching experience might not be that big a deal because the team bought in, and they look completely different in terms of effort and competitiveness. And yes, it's against Vegas, who's on the opposite end of that spectrum, where they don't look like they're playing hard at all. They haven't bought into the Josh McDaniel system. But overall, yeah, props to Saturday. Seems like a great dude. Want to see him succeed. Is this a turnaround for the Colts? Is it too little too late? Well, mm, it's tough to say. I mean, they would have to win out for probably a playoff run. But I don't know. I mean, I would like to see them succeed. And I would like to see them play it how they played last week, obviously. But, you know, it just depends. I mean, they played the Raiders, so it's like, is that really a testament to Jeff Saturday? I mean, don't get me wrong. That team did a complete 180 compared to... JT broke one off for 66 for, I think, his first touchdown since week one. Matt Ryan had a 39-yard scramble. I saw a fun little stat that he has a... A longer run than guys like Najee Harris. Um, Weighs as long as like six yards. Uh, Devin Singletary and a bunch of guys. I wish I had screenshotted it, but yeah, it was pretty funny to see that just 39 yards is. And Matt Ryan, like, since when did Matt Ryan run for 39 yards? Hey, when he's green grass in front of you, take it. I didn't even know he was fast enough to run 39 yards. What's his 40 yard dash? About, uh, like, about 6'2. Yeah, like, how does nobody get to him? It's called deceptive speed. Um, News-wise, it's really about it. Besides, there's been a lot of debate over the natural playing surface against the turf. Um, evidenced mostly by this week by the Cooper Cup injury. A lot of players have spoken up against artificial fields. Now, the NFL claims they did a study on it that it shows that injuries happen at the same rate on both surfaces. But it does seem like the, there are more severe injuries that occur on turf fields, which of course are concrete underneath. There's no give, a lot rougher on the knees and ankles. Um, so the players are pushing for real grass fields across all stadiums. Which I don't know why they wouldn't do. I mean, at least in the southern stadiums, you know, where the weather kind of stays the same all year round, be easy to maintain. Now, like in Cleveland or Cincinnati, it'd be a little harder because of the cold weather and a lot of uh, moisture and stuff in there which could be just as detrimental when the it gets wet and freezes over. So, but at the same time, if that's what they want, they want to play on natural fields and they feel like that's better than that for them. I don't know why the players association wouldn't have some leverage there. Yeah. It seems like a no brainer. Again, there's really no point in just keeping turf fields. So maybe by the start of next season, that'll be changed over. Um, I see no downside in doing all natural across the league. Now, 
Is that something the owners? Like I that's I don't is, know if the owners care. I mean, maybe it costs a little bit more to maintain. Right, grass. but I'm saying, wouldn't that just be between like the owners in the stadium? Like, I don't know if like the actual like yeah, I don't know who has like jurisdiction over Goodell that. or anything. I don't think they really have a say. I, I yeah, feel like can, if Jerry Jones mandate. says I want a grass field in my stadium. As long as it's within city guidelines or whatever, he can put a grass field in his stadium. I don't think they have like, oh, well, we have to have 10 turf fields and whatever. So Maybe we tweet out to Roger and try to get a direct answer on that. Worth a shot. He's probably got nothing else it's to what, do. It's what, 1 o'clock, one thirty. He's probably up. Uh, probably. His people are up. Waiting for a you up text. So... <laughs> I don't think anybody's texting Roger that. <laughs> I think he's texting a lot of those, but getting nothing back in response. Uh, probably. Uh, so he mentioned the Cooper Cup injury. Um, he's on IR. Maybe out for the year. Hopefully he comes back by, I think early she could come back is what, 15? Uh, I think IR is minimum six. Four weeks, right? Or is it four? I thought it was four. Either I'm way, sure. for the Rams overall, I don't think it really matters that much. They're pretty much out of the playoff picture. Uh, but fancy implications, of course, for a me, big deal specifically, uh, and many others. But for me, the one league that I was in the lead, front runner, best record, and now I'm going to go on a massive losing streak. Well, we all get to share the bad luck. But why does it have to happen to me? The one I'm only doing good in one fantasy league out of four. Not anymore. Um, also, Zach Ertz had a rough knee injury. Carted off. I think he's done for the year. Uh, got put on IR, but again, that should be a season long. Yeah, I believe he definitely went through a season-ending injury there, which is sad to see. Honestly, though, it, it might be time for him to consider retiring. I mean, he's up in that age of tight ends where it's like you're going to start getting banged up. Um, not everybody's as durable as guys like Jason Witten, who can play for probably come out of retirement and play right now and not get hurt. But, yeah, I mean, it's a testament to his career. I mean, he had a great career. There's really, I mean, I get it. You want to play for that ring, but I don't think he's going to get that in Arizona. And he got one with Philly. Yeah. So, he got one, got paid, had a little bit of fun in Arizona. Maybe it's time to call it quits. Yeah, especially that position where you're blocking and receiving. A knee injury is probably the worst thing you could have. Yeah. Especially, again, at his age now. So we'll see how rehab goes. Maybe come uh, next opener. He'll be rocked and ready to go. Um, also, Khalil Herbert, Bears running back. Sad to see. On the IR. Um, shame, he's looked great all year. It's like kind of split backfield role in Chicago. And then Shaquille Leonard had successful surgery on his back, done for the year. Um, he's been banged up all year. Which is unfortunate. The guy's probably a top five linebacker in the game. For sure. If not top three. So, again, with the Colts probably having, or at least being out of the playoff picture, he should rehab, get healthy for next year, come back strong. Yeah, like I said, barring they go undefeated for the rest of the year, which is highly unlikely, in my opinion at least. Um, yeah, I think they, he'll be all right. Next year, he'll be fully healthy, ready to go. Uh, we have Zeke, who's confirmed to miss two or three more weeks. Take your time, Zeke. Tony Pollard's been better than you, frankly. Tony Pollard's been very Zeke-like. 
Yeah, he's the man. It's great to have a great backup quarterback and running back who have both come up big <laughs> because of injuries to the starters. And then the last one is Jerry Judy getting carted off with an ankle injury, which yeah, is unfortunate. Yeah, been plaguing him all year. And he suffered one last year. So hopefully. Um, same ankle, do we know? Uh, I'm not sure. We can look into that, though. Uh, with that, we have a bunch of kind of wild stats for you this week. Um, hit me with the JJ one first. Um, okay. Uh, over 50% of Justin Jefferson's catches against the Bills were below 50% catch probability. I guess next-gen stats have some, has some database where they compare. Uh, they take in all wideouts catches, and that's how they determine catch probability. So, yeah, under 50%, and I think uh, the, uh, what do you want to call it, the catch that got intercepted and then he intercepted it back. Catch of the year. Yeah. If not, maybe the most I impressive think that catch was like ever. like a 5% catch probability. Yeah. So. Like we said, just throw it anywhere close to him. He's probably going to make the play. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. he had nine such catches that week. Um, I think the rest of the league had six combined. Yeah. Which just makes Something no sense like at all. That. Kid's a beast. I mean, let the game speak for itself. Probably your OPOY. Could be. Right by, maybe runner-up. <laughs> now the Chicago Bears. Improving. Looking good. Scoring. Scoring finally. a lot. In lieu of the fact that they're the first team ever to score 29-plus points in three straight games and lose all three. Wow, it's almost like um, they got rid of their good defenders. Yeah, I bet those guys would uh, come in handy right now. Some would say. Now, fields look great until that one bad pick six at the end, which pretty much cost him the game. He could be good. I think he is good I think in he, that system. I think he has a good ceiling, but it, the problem is, like, in college, he had an elite arm. Kid through like crazy accurate and in a great system with great talent around him right that helps a lot but now i mean you can't tell me these guys aren't as they're in the nfl urban meyer said it best every team is alabama even the worst team name one bears wide out besides darnell mooney chase claypool <sighs> shit i forgot he went top there. three wide out in the in league the game but yeah the arm strength is there he's proven that the speed is off the charts. He looks like Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he's it's just the super accuracy talented with his legs, but his accuracy and decision is making. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Again, second year guy, give him some time, right? Well, he may not have time. It's the Bears. What are they going to do? Draft another bum? Probably. There's a lot of speculation that Justin Fields is the fall guy there. I could see that, but again, when you trade away your best defensive players, it's the Bears. For the next ten years, is there a team you'd rather you'd rather be less than the Bears? <coughs> Every other team's really improved. Even teams like Houston. Yeah. A lot of good young talent there going forward. Yeah. Good draft stock. Maybe a team like um LA, like Rams. Yeah. Because they're all they kind of in that mortgage veteran. their entire future. Yeah, they're in like that veteran stage. They don't really have draft picks. No, they're they're past the veteran stage. Uh, they're in that retirement stage. Exactly. Looks rough. But, um, so yeah, maybe teams like that. Maybe, uh, really, do you want to be a part of Cleveland? Uh, definitely brighter than Chicago. 
I mean, they don't have any draft picks at all. They traded them all away. It all comes down to Deshaun Watson. I mean, yeah, they're like the – they want that one-year success like the Rams have. At least that's what it appears. Step one, hire a new defensive coordinator. Uh, that that would be a good stepping stone, yeah. That's first priority. Um, with that, Jimmy Garoppolo is now 10-2 ten, <coughs> ten and two in star sheets thrown zero touchdowns in. Oh, that's okay. What, what position does he play again? Uh, game manager. Uh, that's what I figured. You don't need to throw touchdowns if you're... I mean, he's just on the sideline with a clipboard, right? Just over there looking good. <laughs> he does that very well. It helps team morale. Uh, that it does. I mean, if I'm in the huddle and I look in Jimmy GQ's eyes and he tells me we're going to win this game, it's not even a question. We already won. Exactly. At least in my heart. And does Jimmy G really need to throw touchdowns when McCaffrey will? <laughs> or Debo will? Exactly. Spread the well, San Fran. Exactly. Why have your quarterback throw touchdowns when you have tons of other positions that can? Any other wild stats you got over there? Tua Tagovailoa becomes the first NFL player ever, which is kind of crazy to think about, with three consecutive games with a passer rating of 135-plus on minimum 30 attempts. It's really crazy to think that no other quarterback's like done that. Peyton never did. Rodgers never did. Brady. Brady, of course. I mean. Tua Tungavaloa. Even like Phillip Rivers or Big Ben. Breeze. Drew Brees. I mean, God, how did Drew Brees not? He threw five-yard slants for his Jacoby whole career. Brissett. A legend. Colts legend. Andrew Luck. Like, these guys are. Luke McCown. Josh McCown. Br- <laughs> Brock Osweiler. Case Keenum. <laughs> Don't be hating on Keith, man. He's, he's a proven winner. Well, I know. That's why I'm surprised that he's not Nick doing Foles. <sighs> Big Dick Nick. You would have thought on that run he uh, he would have had a, a three-game stretch like that. I mean, even like Colt McCoy, you know, legends. Brandon Whedon. Brady Quinn. Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel. How did he not do it? Ty God Taylor. Ty God Taylor. Even Lamar. Yeah. Who's been known to go on these wild three-game stretches. <sighs> I, None I, of them match up to two a time. I mean, even like when you go back in time, like Joe Montana, Joe Namath. Like, how did these guys, Dan Marino. Yeah, I would have guessed Marino would be the one. Like, how did these guys not do it? They're not named Tua Tungavailoa. And they yeah, don't have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Oh, that's fair. I feel like that makes it even harder, though. Explain. Because they're just deep balls. You're, you're telling me that he's that accurate of a deep ball thrower? I mean, Tyreek's got to be down there somewhere. Yeah, but, like, that's just crazy. Like, you would think, like, guys like Drew Brees or Tom Brady, where they throw a lot of check downs, they throw a lot of slants over the middle, short gains, and just moving the football, moving the change, you would think guys like that would take that. But Well, rating does factor in yards per completion, right? So they're going to reward deeper ball passers, I uh, believe. I'll have to see how that's calculated, but I know it's, like, completion percentage, yards... You know, touchdown to turnover ratios and things like that. But again, like Tua, who got voted as Fox's midseason MVP favorite. I I agree with that. I mean, you take Tua out of that team, they went what two and uh, one and two when he was gone. I think so. Yeah, and they definitely wouldn't have the record they're at right now without him. I mean, even Josh Allen, if he went down, I think the Bills are in a better spot to win. 
than the Dolphins would be without Tua. Probably, yeah. And uh, maybe they uh, sneak into our power rankings coming up. Uh, maybe. Um, that covers the stats, right? Yeah. All right. We had probably the game of the year so far in Buffalo with the Vikings. Man. Is Buffalo just the unluckiest team? Yes and no. Because it's not just bad luck. It's just bonehead plays. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if Josh Allen got concussed a couple weeks ago because he's been making some really poor decisions lately. It's odd to see. Maybe, uh... Well, also, maybe we're just overreacting. It's two games. Maybe maybe Nobody's Josh perfect. Allen deserves our Brett Favre comparison and not Justin Herbert. Whoa. Because he does throw a lot of picks. Uh, he was the first quarterback this year to 10 picks. But when he throw the ball 55 times a game, that that you know risk goes up. You know the ball 55 times a game? Dak Prescott. Brett Favre. Give or take, yeah. Kind of on the low end. He'd throw... 62 times, 30 completions. He could have 655 yards, five scores, but he'd still have six interceptions. Three of them return for a pick six. Give or take. So, of course, there's a wild sequence there at the end of the game. Um, the Vikings had the ball on the goal line, first and goal, got stuffed, went forward on fourth, came up a half a yard short with, like, what, 40 seconds to go, Right. Um, at that point, the Bills' win percentage was like 79%. All they had to do was take a knee, run the ball out of the end zone, even take a safety. Game's over. The very first play, they botched the snap, fumble, recovered by Minnesota. Which is an impressive fumble recovery on a botched snap. You know how hard it is? Botched snap under center. Yeah, yeah, you get past that center. I mean, you've got to dive through his legs, right? Now, unfortunately, on the Vikings' previous score... They missed the extra point. So that was only a three-point game. Again, with 30 seconds or so, the Bills moved the ball down the field, kicked the field goal, go to overtime. I think the Vikings won the toss. Yeah. Kicked a field goal that first drive. Missed it. Right? Did miss it? No, because the pick sealed the game. Well, it was 33-30, to 30, I thought. I think oh, Vikings yeah, for possession, yeah, kicked the field goal. Out. And then Bills moved the ball downfield, and Josh Allen threw another red zone interception. Very unfortunate. Which, same thing happened in the in the Dolphins' loss, and same thing happened to the Jets when the Jets beat him. Should we just say that Patrick Mahomes probably secures MVP here? Uh, he's the favorite right now, yeah. But again, we got seven, seven weeks left. Right? Week 11 now, we go 18? Yeah. But it's two as a war to lose. <laughs> Some would say. And, of course, before that, you had the wild catches by Jefferson. Um, the one, if you haven't seen it, I think it was fourth and 18 on a ball that probably nobody else nobody else catches. Uh, then another one inside the five he caught that was a very low probability catch. Um, so great win for the Vikings on the road. Who goes for it on a fourth and 18? Well, it was, it was crunch time. You had to. I know, but even like most teams, they'll still punt it and just try to get the ball back. Well, the Vikings aren't most teams. Like that's a, that's why they're eight and one. That's a bold play call. The other game that came down to the wire and went to overtime, unfortunately. Your Dallas Cowgirls, fourteen point lead in the fourth quarter. Blown. I think in those games there was something stupid like one hundred and forty eight and zero in their history. Yep. Not anymore. 148 and one. 
Packers absolutely continue to keep owning us. Aaron Rodgers continues to keep owning us. Christian Watson owns you. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. And Mike McCarthy continues to make bad decisions in Green Bay. Oh, Aaron Rodgers continues to own Mike McCarthy. Uh, as a career long, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so they had the ball. I think it was a fourth and five in field goal range. Could have kicked it. McCarthy went for it. Dallas failed to convert. And that was that. That was a dumb play call. Again, should have kicked it. But even then, if, they, if you're going to go for it, I don't like what they drew up. No, they they never draw up good fourth down plays. That's killing more. Yeah, that is, they're... It's like it's one weakness. I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. How can you draw up a good third down play, not a good fourth down play? Just run the same play. I've asked myself these questions pretty much every week. Again, went to overtime, and the package got the ball, won easily. As soon as it went to... Honestly, as soon as the fourth quarter started, they got the first score. I'm already sweating. Got the second score. I knew it was game over. Blood pressure through the roof. Not even. Because I knew it was a foregone conclusion. I've seen it too many times. Depression thing. The depression kicked in. Ah, it's not even depression. I'm just numb to it now. So depression. Maybe. I should go get diagnosed. I should talk to somebody. Probably. Being a Cowboys fan will do that. Well, let's, uh, let's get things back up in a good mood. Call of the year. Call of the decade. I got to get the gong ready for this. Cam, what was your game of the week last week? It was the Commanders versus Philly. And I said, I wouldn't be shocked if Philly finally drops it on Monday Night Football. You said, quote, you had a gut feeling. Gut. And you couldn't explain why, but you're going to trust your gut every time. And I did. And what happened on Monday night? The Commanders spanked the Eagles. Double gong to me. What can I say? When you're hot, you're hot. And you've shown no signs of cooling off. Yeah, exactly. I think the Eagles just straight up overlooked Washington. Um, the craziest thing was time of possession was like 80 to 20. Yeah. Washington had just long, sustained drives. Which normally is what Philly does. Exactly. Yeah, they just they took a page out of Philly's playbook. Um, and somehow made A.J. Brown non-existent. One catch for like 11 yards. Crazy. Terry McLaurin dominated Darius Slay. Yep. Who was pretty much the only guy that's proven he can do that repeatedly. And uh, again, kind of like the Bills did, the Eagles shot themselves in the foot with turnovers. They had three all year prior to this. They had three on Monday night. I thought they had four fumbles. No, nah, I think it was a pick and two fumbles. At least that were recovered by uh, Washington. I thought they definitely had three fumbles. Maybe maybe they had two fumbles and two recoveries. Now, I will say one of which, there was a blatant face mask on that it should have yeah. been called. Yeah. But, of course, you can't review a penalty. So they reviewed it for the, the turnover, but there's nothing you can do with the face mask call. So that, Unfortunately. They kind of got hosed on that, but the Quez Watkins catch in the fourth quarter, huge play, 30 yards downfield, Went to the ground, got up, and then just got the ball punched out. Yep, it happens. And the biggest thing, um, the, the uh, Redskins, God, what a mistake. The Commanders. Wow. That's the old school NFC East. You bigot. <laughs> I can't, they should have changed their colors, man. I can't, I can't shake that. The Commanders went forward on fourth. Heineke drops back. Has nowhere to go. Takes a knee. Takes a knee. And then three seconds later, gets hit. 
by two Philadelphia Eagles players. Immediately knew it. He got up, started celebrating, rest through the flag. Now, it wasn't a super hard hit or no, anything like that. No, but it's so late. It's, yeah, it's a late hit, man. You know, again, whether you like the rule or not, it's cut and dry. You know, it's, it's way after the, the play was blown dead. And then um, <laughs> had the, I guess the fumble recovery at the end, which was the fourth fumble on the uh, the crazy lateral play the Eagles tried to run, which they uh, they picked up for a score there at the end, which didn't mean anything, even in, in the way Vegas goes. Why are they? Why are teams trying to do that? It never works. No, it doesn't. The last one that worked was what? Miami against uh, the Patriots like five years ago? I don't recall. I remember Maybe. they had Gronk back there, and he tried to chase him down. It was like running in slow motion. Oh, checks out. Yeah. yeah. So undefeated no longer. I know the uh, Dolphins team celebrates as usual when that last undefeated team goes down. And suddenly Washington's only a game back of the last wild card spot. Yep. NFC East continues to have the best division winning percentage ever. And Chase Young's on his way back for Washington. Carson Wentz is healthy, supposed I to be ready to go, like but Heineke I better. I don't think he gets the starting job back. I don't think so. Um, and they've come out and said that you know they they feel better with him as a leader. The locker room loves him better. And He's even just, when Wentz was healthy, he just does dumb shit. Yeah, and Heineke's just got that swag. Yeah. And better, you know, better legs. Oh yeah, you know, more multi-dimensional. More yeah. yeah. So watch out for the Washington Commanders because they're coming at you hot. Um, how about my game of the week pick was Seattle Tampa Bay in Georgia in uh, Germany. Yep, I Georgia. Say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Georgia in the Middle East yeah. is the first game over there in Germany. Um, future trivia question: Who scored the first ever touchdown in Germany? Thomas J. Brady. Well, technically, but Julio Jones. Well, Thomas J. Brady. Buccaneers legend, Julio Jones. <laughs> Buckeyes legend. <laughs> oh, God, I wish. Um, Seattle made a late push in the fourth quarter, became a little bit short. Um, not a great game, but the fans, I mean, it was a great environment. Oh, yeah. Packed house. They're singing uh, Take Me Home Country Road, singing Sweet Caroline. Yeah, I got a, uh, one of my buddies is uh, stationed in Germany. He says the American football scene there is huge. They play the games on it in all the pubs and all the bars and stuff, and they love it. There's still a lot of talk going around about adding a European division with two teams in England and two in Germany. Uh, we talked about that, I think, a couple shows ago. I love the idea, but logistically, yeah, it's in just theory, yeah, it'd be great, right? but it just, I don't see it working out. Uh, you have to have some, like a almost like a, like a G League the NBA has. You need like a right. lower league for like. Rookies hey, and undrafted maybe the, guys. Maybe the XFL goes over to Europe. That'd be a great product. Because, I mean, as much as everybody like wants to hate on that stuff, entertaining. Uh, it was very. Entertaining. I watched it. Yeah, I loved it. How about uh, looking forward to this week? Your new game of the week pick. Uh, Are we calling another upset of the year? I don't think so. Not this time. Uh, I just got the Vikings Cowboys. Think it'll be a good game, a good testament for Kirk Cousins to. Uh, Keep those chains on on the plane. Cause is that the new best post-game celebration in the league? Because Kirk Thuggins is uh, here to stay. Not a guy you want to mess with. Yeah, good to see if Dallas can get back on track. Um, that's in Minnesota. That concludes their four-game stretch against the NFC North. It's a 4.30 kick. I think it's the national game. Um, should be a banger. You know, Should probably. Be. 
probably the top two, or at least two of the top three or four teams in the NFC. Potential playoff matchup. For sure. Um, again, should be. And with how both teams have been playing, it should be another one of those high-scoring, down-to-the-wire matchups. Bunch of star power, too. Yeah. Let's see how much uh, Trayvon Diggs can affect JJ. Zero. Probably not much, because who can? Negative five. That's a little harsh. Uh, it's not. But when Tony think, Pollard puts I up 225 th- and three scores, it's not going to matter. Well, if, if Christian Watson can put up four catches for 600 yards and seven touchdowns, then I think Justin Jefferson could probably triple that. In the first half. Give or take. I'm going with uh, Tennessee and Green Bay, which is the Thursday night game. Looking like it's going to be in the snow. At least some rough weather in Green Bay. So, Derrick Henry, that Tennessee O-line. Tannehill's back, but hey, 15, 20 pass attempts. Let Henry run the ball. Same with uh, the Packers. They had that run game really going against Dallas with Dylan and Aaron Jones. But all of a sudden, I think Aaron Rodgers maybe took took it personally that he was our back-to-back bum of the week. Um, You could say that. In fact, I think I take full credit for reinvigorating the two-time reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers. You know, you deserve that. We. We deserve that. It was a team effort. I mean, he was my bum of the week, but, you know. <sighs> And he was <laughs> he was also the community's bum of the week. That, that he was. And there were some Packers fans that voted him as bum of the week. And A-Rod's been known to uh, check out the social media from time to time. Maybe Pat McAfee said, hey, bro, this uh, SNS show, Calling couple you bums, out, they called you bum of the week. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to two nobodies, you know, shit on your name like that? Absolutely not. You're Aaron Rodgers, dude. Uh, maybe it was Little Wayne calling him out. Whoa. You didn't see that? I did see that actually. You showed me that. Yeah. Yeah, on Twitter saying we should have got rid of a uh, should have got rid of twelve. Yeah. Turns out you don't piss off Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he wasn't even mad. We really haven't seen Aaron Rodgers get mad this year. Uh he's been upset. It's like almost like a depression upset though. Ah, uh, he shows some like some anger, just a sadness, or a disappointment. He just it, looks sad in general. His he, sad eyes. He looks like a disappointed father. But also, like, you'd be disappointed in him as a father. Like, he comes home drunk every night. Maybe hits you now and then. But he blames you for it. He's like, he says, hey, do, you're making me do this. It hurts me more than it hurts you. Even though it hurts you really bad. That's kind of what that, that greasy-haired dude looks like. Other than Nicolas Cage. Oh, if he just comes in the Con Air get-up before every game, they'd probably go undefeated. Uh... Probably. It definitely helps their chances. Um, before break, we'll do power rankings here real quick. A lot of shakeup. Uh, some. Just a swapping of places, passing of the torch, that kind of thing. At five, we got the Bills. They, After some weird performances lately, they got to get back on track. Yeah, they need to. They, and if they don't, they're going to get replaced in the top uh, five. They're now third in the AFC East. Yeah. That's wild. What a crazy concept. Their division mate at number four, the Miami Dolphins. Yes. I'm all in on Miami. Uh, I, I think it's the coach that did it for me. Love that dude. He is. Players bought in, absolutely. Awesome. Fans bought in. Ownership bought in. 
sports and stogies bought in. And that's all you need, really. Because you guys are going to go against us? We're kind of the experts here. Um, I'd give you more credit there than me, given how things have gone the past couple weeks. That's a fair point. I'm the expert here. I'm just a humble apprentice. Um, yeah, we'll go with that. We'll take that. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs. Which they've been at the three spot. Yeah, same old, same old. Nothing changed there. They keep being the Chiefs. Yep. Number two. The Philadelphia Eagles have been dethroned. Finally. And number one, of course, the Washington Commanders. (laughs) Number one, of course, is the Minnesota Vikings. Again, uh, my humble apprentice here is uh, still learning. He's... uh, I'm just trying to follow in your footsteps. Uh, the Washington Commanders don't quite cut the mustard yet. But, uh, <laughs> what, what's the one you promised you were saving? That was that one. That yeah. was it? Cut the mustard. Do you hear those crickets? No, I actually hear the crowd cheering. I don't hear that at all. I uh, expected a, a real gut buster. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were just two butter and egg men, you know? Well, not every saying can be the cat's meow. That's a fact. There's only one cat's meow. Exactly. Maybe you guys drop in your uh, your old-timey favorite sayings for uh, Cam to keep adopting on the show. Hey, I'm here for it. We got a new one every week. Here's a new segment. Bring back the 1918 sayings. Cam's saying of the week. We can work on the title. Uh, Could be a little catchier. Could be. But with that, we're going to take a little bit of, take our first break. Uh, a straight 45 minutes right there. Yeah, we did great. Well, I mean, with the interviews and stuff. I was going to say, we went an hour 40 earlier with no breaks. no break. Nothing. Just flowed really well. Helps having four guys instead of two. Yeah, that's true. Especially in that full episode, we talked for maybe 10 minutes ourselves. Oh, they definitely. Which was the goal, of course. Yeah. That's why you do interview shows. So, yeah, we're going to go to break. So, with that, we're going to go to break real quick and uh, be back after this. All right. Welcome back from break to SNS episode 11. It's some quick cigar notes. Uh, no top five list this week because we have, again, two cigar and bourbon-centric interview episodes coming up. Uh, but on my Crown Heads Mil Diaz, not a great draw right now. Uh, burning good, flavor's good, but not quite as much smoke production as I typically like to see. Uh, but that being said, some sweet honey coming through. A little bit of chocolate and caramel as it progresses. Solid flavor, just again, not quite as much. Smoke and uh, the quality of draw that I typically like. But pairs great, of course, with the Four Roses single barrel. Can never go wrong there. Um, Cam's given his Julius Caesar a quick relight. Um, what are your thoughts on that so far? This is your first Caesar, right? Uh, yeah. Um, it's kind of keeping that earthy, leathery taste throughout. Uh, getting a little hint of coffee in there now. So, yeah, pretty solid. Um, with that, we're going to review UFC 281. But before we get into those fights, um, unfortunate news, Anthony Rumble Johnson passed away um, due to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which I don't think anybody really knew about. Um, solid UFC career. He was a two-time light heavyweight challenger, losing to Daniel Cormier both times. But he had beaten and knocked out Glover Teixeira, Ryan Bader, Alexander Gustafson. Um, Big Nog, Andre Arlovsky. He started at 170 and worked all the way up to light heavyweight. And I think his fight in Bellator is at heavyweight, actually. Um, really talented dude, a lot of power. 
So unfortunate news there. Thoughts go out to him and his family and friends, of course. Uh, super young, man. He's 38. Sad to see. Yeah, and he was definitely a fan favorite as far as the UFC community goes. So, yeah, definitely sad to see guys like that go out. Uh, rest in peace and prayers out to his family, like you said. Now, with that, we had a great 281 card. Um, starting off with the prelims, Dominic Reyes continues his fall from grace. Got knocked out by Ryan Spann on a kind of a hook-jab hybrid. 0-4 since losing to John Jones. Yeah. Yeah, it looks rough, man. He took a long time off before this fight. Trained a lot. You know, came back promising he'd be better than ever. And just, he didn't look right in the ring. No. Or the octagon, I guess I should say. So who knows where he goes from here? I mean, he's been knocked out in his past three fights. Yeah, which is tough to watch, honestly. Because, again, this guy was a title contender two years ago. And in a fight where I thought he beat John Jones. So quick decline there. Sad to see. Um, on the main card, you had Frankie Edgar's retirement fight, which unfortunately ended with him getting knocked out cold. With a wild flying knee. Yeah, great shot. Um, like Cormier said on the on the the pay-per-view, the UFC especially, you know, you typically don't get to retire gracefully. Yeah, he said most guys go out on their back uh, is the quote. Which, is, there's no shame in that, you know? Frankie's been a warrior, fan favorite, definitely a Hall of Famer, great career. But, uh, of course, no one wants to go out that way. And um, who knows, maybe he goes and fights in Bellator or some, you know, one-off promotion. Maybe some boxing stuff, like most retirees do nowadays. Um, but props to Frankie. Again, great career. Congrats on that. And then props to Chris Gutierrez for that vicious knockout. And um, his stock continues to rise. Fight of the night for me was Poirier Chandler. God, what a fight. First round was exactly what we thought it would be. Just five minutes of vicious swinging and banging. Both guys got hurt bad. Um, I thought they both were on the verge of getting knocked out. I thought Chandler had Poirier, and then he shot for the takedown. When I think if he would have kept throwing, he probably could have knocked him out. Yeah, probably. Um, but then at the end of the round, Dustin landed some heavy strikes. Again, knocked Chandler down, almost knocked him out. But he survived to round two. In round two, Chandler took him down right away and held ground control for most of the round. Definitely won that round, maybe a 10-8. And then round three, took him down again with a big slam. But Dustin scrambled, reversed it. And locked in a rear naked to submit Michael Chandler. Which you don't see Dustin do a lot of. He's got a sneaky ground game. He can submit you. Of course, he, ch he, he chooses to box because he's one of the best boxers in the sport. Uh, but it had to be a satisfying win because in that first round, uh, Chandler had a vicious fish hook, which went uncalled, that Dustin, of course, was not happy about. And Chandler kind of fought dirty the entire fight. Uh, I... The fish hook was definitely dirty, but... I thought those seven or eight back-of-the-head strikes maybe, maybe landed. I thought they were pretty clear back-of-the-head. Ref didn't call it. Of course, Poirier was upset. And then in the second, it looked like he intentionally spit blood in Dustin's face. I don't face. think that was it. I don't know, man. If it, your nose is gushing like that, you can't stop it. It wasn't gushing at the time. He got it plugged up at the end of the round. His uh, nose was blown up. Poirier yeah. definitely broke his nose. Did you see his ears? Oh, he's got... He doesn't they're, have they're ears disgusting. anymore. Yeah, they're disgusting. <laughs> like, I mean, I get it, like wrestlers and cauliflower ear and stuff, but I thought it goes away. 
Not when you're Michael Chandler. Oh, yeah, I guess. So props to him. The guy always puts on entertaining fights, and Poirier does too. Uh, but, of course, Diamond's one of my favorite fighters. Great to see him win. Moving forward, I don't know if he gets a title shot. Of course, it depends on what happens with Islam and Volk, which got locked in for 284. I think uh, he fights Charles again. Um, if Charles is still fighting. Yeah, I could see that. Because Charles has still got to be like the number one, right? Yeah, he's currently still number one contender, at least in lightweight. Um, again, it depends on how that Volk and Islam fight goes. So, yeah, that's the only natural progression of for Poirier, at least. At least, is, yeah. To go up to Charles again, so which after his loss, you know, might be a little easier now that he's going to be a little more on the fence about being a just absolutely dominant UFC fighter. As far as Chandler goes, I would love a Chandler Connor fight. I think Chandler would love a Chandler Connor. Oh, of fight. course he's going to get paid, and he's going to stand and bang. Yeah, so will Connor. Maybe. Uh, he's See how healthy he is. That's true. And but Connor right now is looking at like 170. He's beefed up. Yeah, he's a big dude. So who knows? There's a lot of stuff going forward. We'll talk matchups here, especially with the main event results. Um, but before that, the co-main, Zhang Wei Li, dominated. Probably the best performance of the night. Uh, she did win one of the performances of the night. As. as Deservedly so. She looked great. Took down the champ, Carlos Barza. Probably gets a Thug Rose rematch if for the Thug third Rose time. Wants to fight. Yeah. Given that, yeah. Um, but Zhang looked great on the ground. She clearly worked on her wrestling. Uh, striking still the best in the game in the women's aspect, at least. And really, I mean across the board, incredible striker. She's so strong for her size. She's very stout. Freak athlete. Yeah. Probably the most gifted athlete on that women's side. Again, if not throughout the entire sport. Um, so she looked great. And, of course, the main event, Izzy Adesanya and his boogeyman, Alex Pereira. Yeah. Unfortunately, Izzy, uh, Kamaru Usman, all over again. Izzy had the fight one. Some say four to four to nothing. Some say three uh, to one. Yeah, I think Pereira had the second round. But definitely at least three to one going into the fifth. And, you know, sometimes you just get got. Had another great moment. You saw it in Prayer's corner. His coach said, hey, you're down 3-1. to one. You need a knockout. Go out there and let it fly. And he walked Izzy down, landed a big left hook, which shook him up. There's been some talks that maybe it was an early stoppage. I liked it. I thought it was a good stoppage. Um, Izzy wasn't defending himself. was getting rocked. Um, he, he accepted it for the most part. He really didn't complain about that. Yeah. Well, he even, in the presser, even said when it all went downhill is when he went for that leg kick Alex blocked it and then he did that roll backwards he said he hit, uh, hurt his perennial nerve something like that yeah and that messed with his footwork for the rest of the fight so I mean he's honest he's humble and you know we'll see what happens going forward but unfortunately with how poor Pereira's wrestling is even just in the clinch I I don't see him being champ for long. No, like I said, he was the best matchup to take down Izzy. But for the rest of the, the weight class, I think Whitaker beats him. I think Vittori beats him. I think Costa beats him. I think Cannoneer beats him. I mean, he had probably at least 25 pounds on Izzy and couldn't get out of a wrist lock. Yeah. He looked that, lost on the ground. Yeah, I don't. <clears throat> it's a real testament to 
MMA as a sport. You know, the guy's a world-class kickboxer, world champion, multiple times. And, you know, you there's new things you have to learn when you're going to MMA, and wrestling's one of them. And if he doesn't get that worked out, um, it's going to be rough for him. I know Hamzat wants him. Yes, yeah, so that's next progression. What comes next? A lot of different possibilities. Hamzat with the, with the call-out, which I like. Uh, I think... As far as Kamzat goes, it's a great matchup for him. I think he uh, yeah, probably destroys seconds. Pereira. Probably just as fast as Kevin Holland. I, I like that, yeah. Because by all means, we saw Pereira's takedown defense. Bad. Giving Izzy his first takedown in UFC history. Um, and Kamzat is 100 times the wrestler that Izzy is. Yes. So he could go up to 205, where he belongs, probably. Yeah. So our next pay-per-view is Yuri Pahaska and Pereira's coach, Glover Teixeira. Let's say Yuri wins again. Does does uh, Pereira go up to 205 to avenge his coach? That would be a great story. Does he stay at 185 and fight Kamzat? Does Izzy get the immediate rematch? Does Pereira walk away entirely and go back to kickboxing? Um, I could see all three of those. Yeah, I really have no clue what's most likely. If he stays, I think it's Hamzat's fight, no matter what. And then maybe Izzy gets Hamzat. Not a good matchup for Izzy. Not a good matchup for Izzy. Well, Izzy's takedown defense is... Solid. It's solid. But he hasn't fought a guy like Hamzat. Well, there is no guy like Hamzat. Exactly. Dude's terrifying. I think... And it depends also on Izzy's health. If this injury takes a long time to recover from, maybe yeah. that immediate rematch, if that's what the route they choose to take, gets postponed. And Kamzat does fight Pereira. Or, again, maybe he goes to 205, depending on how that card plays out. And then even more interesting, I think, like we talked about at 155, what if Volk beats Islam? Does he simultaneously defend 145 and 155? I think he could. I think he will. Well, yeah. But if he wins. Who in 155 other than Islam could probably beat Volk? Um, Islam's definitely his worst matchup. I'd love to see Volk and Poirier, Volk and Chandler, Volk and Dariush, uh, Dariush Volk and Gaethje. Is, Dariush is going to get his shot soon. And he should. Yeah, he should wait it out until that, that fight's done. He should be next in line. He should try to, to press for the replacement fighter for that fight if something were to happen. Yeah. The spot he deserves. So, overall, a great year for new champions. A great year in the UFC as a whole. And a lot of crazy potential coming forward looking into 2023. Um, again, we got one pay-per-view left of this calendar year. A couple of great fight nights, too. But that February card in Australia will be... Kicking off strong. A lot of things to look forward to there. Yeah. You're going to have the um, interim the interim title fight for 145 between Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. Um, but again, if Volk wins, now you've got an interim belt at 145 to go back and prove his dominance there. Because I don't think anybody at 145 has any chance at beating Volk. Oh, no. Absolutely not. So he's got nothing to prove there. Um, I'd love to see him beat Islam. I think it's unlikely. But that would be a wild scenario. I mean, Islam is the second coming of Khabib. So I don't... I mean... Identical fight style. I really don't see him losing. But hey, a lot of crazy things happening so far this year and going forward. 
Yeah. Well, but I'll ask the Swami. Of course, you uh, you can foresee the future as you've proven. Um. Let's see my titles. People who are going to have titles next year. Uh, I think we're going to see a heavyweight bout at some point for an interim title. Will it involve John Jones? I think he's going to fight in heavyweight. I don't know if he'll get the chip shot right away. Because I think uh, Cyril Gaon is still... I think Cyril Gaon will be the interim heavyweight champion. And even then, does does Francis fight again in the I UFC? Know. I don't know. His contract's still up in the air. Um, I hope so. So I love watching that guy fight. But... Um, so, yeah, I think uh, we'll see Cyril gone. If they do an interim, I think it'll be Cyril gone or Stipe, obviously. I think those it'll probably be that fight, Stipe, Cyril gone. Yeah, any of those three fighting each other between Jones, Stipe, and gone. I love all three of those matchups. Absolutely. No matter what it is um, for that interim belt. I think Islam beats Volk. Uh, Volk will go back down to 145 and take the championship there. For whoever has it, defend his championship, his yeah. undisputed championship. Yeah, whoever whoever challenges him is just going to lose, unfortunately. But he's just a juggernaut, and there's no beating him. Um, what about 170? You got Leon right now. I assume Usman gets the rematch. I uh, yeah, I think especially that, with Kamzat calling out Pereira now at 185. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think uh, I think Kamzat's going to stay at 185. I think that's the best for him and. He decided that was best for his health, at least. Uh, well, when he gave up on making 170 in his last fight. Yeah. I think that kind of proved he's going to be a 185 going forward. And uh, I, I think Usman takes the belt back. Um, again, he was dominating that fight. And obviously, he's going to work on his defense and his faint defense because that's what got him at the end of the day. So I think Usman gets it back and goes on another long title defense run. I think he wins it back and retires. Because, again, he's beaten everybody else in that division. I don't think we'd want to fight Kamzat if Kamzat does go back to 170. Yeah, that's true. He, yeah, But that's the only challenger he would really have that he hasn't beaten but twice already. Those guys that love the sport like that, they refrain from retiring. Well, when you have a starring role in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, you can, you can get by post-UFC. I did catch him in that. Twice. Yeah. He had two shots. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, I would love like, like an Usman fight scene in that. <laughs> he just uh, he just takes down a, uh, a uh, I guess they're not Atlanteans, are they? Did they ever name that? Talokan. Talokan. That would have been dope. I want to see a Francis, uh, Izzy, and Kamaru. Imagine Francis has M'Baku or one of those guys. <laughs> That'd be wild. <laughs> kind of fits. And they have actually a real fight. They just film it. No CGI. He just beats up some poor extra. <laughs> Knocks him out cold. Oh, man. Uh, with that, we'll go right into the NBA. Another exciting week across the league. Got some fun stats. Um, not a whole lot to talk about. Same teams just continuing their excellence, for lack of better terms. Uh, LaMelo Ball made a season debut this past week, and it was a little rough. One for nine from three, which is not ideal. However, 15.6 rebounds, six assists isn't a bad line. Uh, that one for three or one for nine kind of diminishes that stat line, though, unfortunately. 
and five fouls, which is odd because he was one of the premier defenders last last year. Um, taking it to Cleveland for the rest of these stats here. Uh, Garland with a career-high 51 points on over 50% shooting, and including 10 for 14 from the three. Did you guys hear anything? Uh, somebody else died, maybe? Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. <coughs> Kevin Love hits his 1,500 three-pointer. Sixth man of the year. He's third in all-time defensive rebounds for Cleveland specifically. He's third in threes made off the bench this year, fifth in points per game off the bench this year. And at the time of recording, he leads the East in plus-minus with a plus-99. I would never have guessed that. Defensive mastermind Kevin Love. And with those, we're going to go ahead and call out our teams of the week. What about the um, Joel Embiid? NBA 2K game he had the other night. Oh, the 59 point. Um, I forget what the exact seven blocks. Was. Yeah, and 33 throws. It's absurd. <clears throat> Single handedly saving Doc Rivers' job. Yeah, again. For the time being. Uh, as far as team of the weeks go, my Clippers, unfortunately, went one for two. Almost completely diminishing a 22 point lead by the Dallas Mavericks tonight. At the time of recording. So, unfortunately, they lost by, I think, one. Uh, at least one possession, yeah. So, one and two on the week. I mean, they really only had one bad game, and it was against the Nets. That was the only game they lost by over ten. So, kind of did what was expected. Are the Mavs the worst team at closing out games? Yeah. Not even close, right? The very uh, Buffalo Bills-esque. On that trajectory. Yeah. Uh, who was your team of the week last week? What they do? I had Toronto. Um, didn't start off great. Lost to OKC and then lost to the Pacers. Beat the Pistons and they play the Heat tomorrow, which I guess by the time this comes out would have been last night for you guys. Um, so best case scenario there, two and two weeks. What's your prediction for that game? Well, my heart tells me a win. I gotta believe. What's your gut telling you? Uh, an L. Well, there it is. Another one and three for me. So that's a good call. But it's going to change my next team of the week. Which is? The Cleveland Cavaliers. Cleveland Cavaliers! Currently on a four-game losing streak. Which will be broken. They play the Bucks again by the time this Tough comes game. out. Will have already happened on Wednesday night. Tough game. Whether they lose that game or not, they're going to win the next four. They're gonna four at home. They've got the Hornets, Heat, Hawks, and Blazers. What better way to uh, right the ship than four straight home games? We're just banking on the uh, Hornets and Heat being trashed this week, huh? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think your team plays both those teams as well. My Wizards play the Heat, Hornets, and Heat. So so uh, Heat, 0-3 this week. Uh, they, they very well should be. Uh, with that, we got some Kentucky basketball news. Uh, they have now rounded out their recruiting class with three of the top five. Uh, recruits out of high school, including the number one. Pretty absurd. And with that, I think it's four five stars and one four star so far. So unless they get flipped or decommit or something, um, should be Kentucky's probably best recruiting class. Yeah, we debated that a little bit over the week. As far as just off of high school? Yeah, of course you can't project what these guys do, you know, going forward. So yeah, bar. I mean, obviously there's teams out there like Anthony Davis, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins. All those guys, which is going to be tough to 
Devin live Booker, up to. Julius Randle. But as far as on paper right now, I know they're definitely the number one recruiting class. Now, what about their team this year? And unfortunately, we lost in the uh, Champ Classic this week. Um, close battle, double overtime with Michigan State. But Kentucky's not known for winning champion classics because they're 1-5 in five in the last six that they've played in. Which, to be fair, of course, they're playing the best of the best. Right. And it's an early season tournament. You know, they haven't quite right. settled in, especially when it's always almost a true freshman team. Yeah. That's they always get better as the year progresses. Oh, yeah. On the other bracket, the other side of that bracket, um, Kansas beat Duke, I think, by eight. Anybody really surprised? Kansas and Duke always nah. go back and forth. Same thing. Yeah, it's coin toss there. And then um, I think uh, Toshiwe comes back. He did. He put up 28 and 12 tonight, I think. And like midseason season 22 form already. and 12, maybe. Good to see him healthy, at least. Yeah, he's definitely playing without a skip in his step, for sure. Or with a skip in his step. Without skipping a beat. <laughs> yeah, I think... <laughs> Well, I think you could confuse without missing a step. At this point, I've been, up, I've been up for almost 24 hours. Yeah, I think of the so. past 26, I've been awake for 24 of them. Yeah. And I think like, that's mutual for you. So, um, On the college gridiron, I was proven wrong again. TCU actually won at Texas. That gut. Um, shocking Vegas as well. They were like a nine-point dog. Uh, won 17-10. Alabama beat Ole Miss on the road. Which, again, you can never count them out if they win out, winning SEC title, who knows. And then Washington took down Oregon, who was number six, in a, I don't want to say a shocking upset, but definitely a, an upset. Surprising. Um, playoff rankings, only three and four switch. You still got Georgia at one, Buckeyes at two, Michigan at three, TCU at four. And that's obviously going to change when Michigan beats the Buckeyes next week. Now that leads me into this little stat here. There's only two teams in college football that have a both a top 10 scoring offense and defense. Those two teams, the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. Really? Correct. Also that's, the top two scoring margin teams. That's crazy because every time the Wolverines win, there's so much slander that they get for saying, everyone's saying, well, if the Wolverines keep playing like this, they're going to lose. So Those words are not come out of my mouth at least. No, I know, but it's all over Twitter and stuff, and I just think it's okay, funny. Okay, your, your first mistake there is putting stock in what Twitter says. Well, I think it's funny. It is funny. Because it's always Buckeye super fans on Twitter saying stupid stuff like that. Yeah, I tried to be the voice of reason in the Buckeye fan base, uh, which there's not much of. At all. At all. Admittedly, probably the worst fan base in, if not college football, maybe all sports. <sighs> Philadelphia? Okay, they're just assholes. They're a great <laughs> fan base, but they're just assholes. Um, as far as this week goes, you got a couple of Pac-12 battles. You got USC and UCLA, and Utah and Oregon. Other than that, pretty quiet week coming into the final two weeks of the season here, closing out November. And again, ever closer to the potential two versus three, maybe one versus two matchup between the Buckeyes and Wolverines in Columbus. And um. I guess it's time for some sleepers. It's time for some sleepers. Who won last week? The streak continues. Win-loss, 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 win-loss. Cam took it 89.1 to 59.6. With one of my players being on by? Correct. Yeah, I don't know how he overlooked that again. Pretty good at that. I had combined zero points for my wideout because Nicole Hardman didn't play and Judy got hurt in the first quarter. Yep. Didn't help. 
course, you had Tony Pollard and Chris Godwin, both the great weeks. Bingo. My only decent player really was uh, Jimmy G. Even without a touchdown, he ran for one, which helped. That does help. But too little too late as far as my sleeper team is concerned. So we got to go on a big run here. Clock's ticking. And we've got a slightly less than your standard sleeper. Say some of these guys are on people's starting lineup. But again, based on our standards, top 12 or top 24 for wideouts, they qualify. Yeah. So it should be a banger of a week. Starting off at QB, take the lead. I got Danny Dimes versus the Detroit Lions. Great matchup. Any quarterback versus the Detroit Lions. I mean, look what Justin Fields just did. Any quarterback, any player versus the Detroit Lions. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, I should have taken the whole Giants team. Backup. Not a bad pick, really. Backup running back, whoever their wideouts are. Doesn't matter. They'll they'll Uh, be open. They're tight end. Do they even have a tight end? Doesn't matter. He'll be open. Uh, And I'll take their backup tight end, too. You want to make that official? Lock that in? Nope. I got, sure? a, I got a team drafted here. Well, I'm going with, um, what did you call him earlier? Kirk Thuggins? Kirk Thuggins. I hate to pick a guy going against my Cowboys, but, again, when you have J.J., he's going to put up 20, 25 points. Maybe a QB sneak. For um, what? Huh? For what? For what? QB sneak? Yeah, for old Kirk. Kirk Thuggins? He's thugging, dude. Can you be sneaking now? <laughs> He's thugging and sneaking, bro. <laughs> I don't think so. Kirk, if you're out there, I want you to make a a, a diss track called Thugging and Sneaking. And do it as whitely as possible. And diss us. I'm here for that. Although we didn't we didn't hate on you, dude. Because we'll respond. We will. With the Kirk Thuggins diss track. Kirk's a nice guy, though. Maybe a little too nice. Uh, maybe it's time for him to let the thug out. I think the thug's already been let out. Uh, partially. I don't think you want. I don't think we're ready for a full Kirk Thuggins. I think it's time for a Thug Thuggins. Oh, coming out party for the big thug himself. RB one, coming back this week. I got James Conner. He'll probably go right back out this week. Unfortunately, they're playing the Niners, who have a stout run D. They made a very bold move with him coming off of injury and waving Eno Benjamin. So. They're really all in on James Conner, I guess. He should get literally all the carries there. But if he puts up two yards of carry, it's not really going to matter. Another guy that's going to get all the carries is my RB1, who is probably going to put up 45 points this week. Wouldn't shock me. Uh, Mr. Alvin Kamara. First appearance on sleepers. Been kind of a letdown this year. Um, The whole entire Saints team has. So... Uh, they've been about as expected. Uh, they've been pretty dog shit. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. Uh, I would. Do we expect them to be good? A decent. They're still a top 10 offense, surprisingly. Well, I mean, does that really matter? Uh, if you can't stop anybody, I guess not. Exactly. RB2. Another guy's getting all the carries now, thanks to Khalil Herbert being injured. Going yeah, David big Montgomery. thanks, bud. Okay, that was maybe worded poorly. <laughs> Sorry, Herbie. <laughs> Get better soon, bud. We're going David Montgomery. The RB2, I guess, with Justin Fields in that backfield. Uh, Yeah. Give me 18 carries, five catches, get in the end zone. We'll take that. How many times do you think Justin Fields is going to throw the football? Uh, Maybe nine. 
<laughs> including five checkdowns. You think David Montgomery is going to get five of those? Probably, yeah. You're crazy. Hey, I have, uh, My RB2. <laughs> Who do you got? James Robinson. J-Rob. Not confident in this at all. Um, he did get a score last week, so I'm kind of hoping for the similar, similar thing. It was a receiving touchdown, which is kind of odd. But uh, I'm here for it. So let's uh, go ahead and get a repeat of last week. J-Rob, 13 points. I can take that. I can live with that. That's good enough for me. With my wideouts, as long as they get more than zero combined points, I'll be happy. They should not. Wideout one, Paris Campbell. Maybe the guy that benefited the most from Matt Ryan coming back. Uh, I think he had six catches, 90 yards, and a score last definitely week. Definitely wasn't Michael Pittman. No, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, He's bad? He's not bad. He could be. I don't think he is, though. Maybe Carson Wentz was just great. Whoa. <laughs> Talk about a hot take. If he was great, he wouldn't be not starting in uh, Washington. Well, I mean, just because you're great doesn't mean there's not somebody that's better. Taylor Heineke. Is better than Carson Wentz, yeah. Yeah, Paris, Buckeye legend, by the way. Buckeye legend. Get in the end zone for me, boy. Uh, my wideout one's Drake London, who finally had a mediocre week last week and put up a score with like 40 yards. So hopefully he does that again. That'd be ideal. And uh, don't really have any expectations. Uh, he could very well in the game with zero, and I wouldn't be shocked. But, um, yep. My wideout two is the new best wideout in the league, Christian Watson. He's not even the best wideout on his team. <laughs> Are you doubting the power of three TD Christian Watson? Yeah. He's uh, a slow starter. He needs 10 weeks to when, warm up. When Big Bob Tunyon's on the team, you're not Dude, getting three touchdowns. A-Rod has again. a new best friend, and his name's Christian Watson. Can I quote you on that? Uh, I, I just said it on mic, so yeah. So I can quote you on that? That'd be correct. It is on recording? I believe so. Unless we scrap this. I don't plan to. <laughs> Do you really want to re-record again tonight? Uh, I didn't think so. Definitely skip the show this week if there, if anything happens. Wide out two, hit me. <coughs> Fellow that's on a hot streak. Last three games have been over 10 points, which is a hot streak for these guys. Rondale Moore. Um, with, you know, Kyler Murray maybe not playing and uh, Trace McSorley and Colt McCoy uh, slinging the ball out there. Um I think Rondell Moore is a lot easier to hit than a 60-yard bomb to D-hop. He's kind of like a, like a new Brandon Cooks type. I'd hope. Not a high ceiling, but a high floor. Give you 10, 12 every week. That's all you can ask for. And sleepers, for sure. Let's talk tight ends. Do we have to? Uh, unfortunately. Can we just, like, stop picking tight ends? Uh, we probably really could. Honestly, it wouldn't matter. I mean, barring the random weeks we pick Tyler Conklin when he has seven touchdowns, they kind of just get us, like, three points. So we're going to try to change that with Bengal legend Hayden Hurst. Buckeye legend. <laughs> Incorrect. Um, I don't think Chase is going to play, so maybe that should help free up Hurst for some more targets. Who knows? Again, tight end, if I can get like six points, that's a win for me. I think he, he's going to get around five catches, so that'll be five points. For about eight yards. Well, that doesn't matter. Five catches, three touchdowns, five eight yards. Five catches is five points. Uh, and our scoring, yeah. I'll take it. That's all you can ask for. It's five points. 
Now, unfortunately, I can ask my guy for 32. 32 catches? Uh, That'd be impressive. That's about the equivalent of how many points he's going to have, yeah. Break it up however you want. Cole Komet, Buckeye legend. You kind of steal my thunder on that. Yeah, that's the point. Also, it's just wrong. <laughs> also, the comedic aspect of it. It's not funny, though. I'm not laughing. It is. You did. I don't think... And it, uh, it, if anybody out there laughs at that, I'd be surprised. Uh, I think they're laughing right now. They haven't even heard it yet. Fake news. Yeah, Cole Komet going for three scores this week, probably 62 yards and uh, seven catches. Again, with your hot streak, I would not be surprised if that was the exact line. Hopefully no fumbles, though. I'm not feeling any fumbles in my gut, so he's a big, strong man. What's your gut tell you about my flex pick? Garrett Wilson Jr. the third. Is that his actual name, or did you make that up? Uh, there may have been some liberties taken there. Buckeye legend, absolute Buckeye legend. Yep, Buckeye legend. Maybe last like pick of the last uh, week of the year, I'll do an all Buckeye legend team. Let's see how it goes. Maybe I'll uh, do an all Notre Dame team. Get guys Is, like uh, Deshaun Kaiser still in the league? Get guys like Brady Quinn and Ian line Book. Up. I don't even think there's. I don't think I could get enough players from Notre Dame offense. Equinemius St. Brown, if I'm not mistaken. I think he went to Notre Dame. Notre Dame legend. Notre Dame yep. legend, baby. <laughs> Who uh, Another win this week, by the way, over yeah. Navy in a closer game than it should have been probably. Uh, but Again, we bad teams have our number. Good teams can't hang. But a win's a win. Uh, Kind of a meaningless I can't game. wait for the Notre Dame to win the Meineke Car Care Bowl Neither come January. Yeah. And That'd I be a barn burner. for us to absolutely spank the Buckeyes' ass next year. Okay, let's, let's calm down. Spank. Can I quote you on that? Like, pick your belt because that's the one you're getting whooped with. I got a, a thick studded one that uh, might uh, <clears throat> might come in handy there. My flex. Many men wish death upon me. Brian Robinson Jr. You're rocking the J-Rob and the B-Rob combo. I think B-Rob's going to outscore J-Rob. Do you want to draft A-Rob into that as well? Absolutely not. You sure? 100%. That's a deep, deep sleeper. Uh, yeah. Hey, with Cooper Cup being out, does he finally come out of his shell? Well, they still have uh, Steve Oshkobo in the movie. Yeah, Skowernick. Tyler Higby. Dale Henderson. Stud, Buckeye legend. <laughs> I'm banning you from saying that. Uh, then you're banned from saying that. I'll quit the show. I already did. Oh shit! <laughs> News to me. <laughs> the death of SNS after a great uh, two interview show. Oh, those, will, song. those will still go out. Well, of course, yeah, but uh, we're done. Been a nice run. Had a lot of fun with you guys. That was an eyeball shot, you piece of <laughs> shit. You just threw a rolled up, what's this, your little shredding. notebook uh, shredding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed with the accuracy, though, by the way. That was a good shot. That was a, that was a Tua-esque throw. Some could say. Right on target. Yep, that would be a, probably more like a 175 passer rating, if you ask me, but... That's not possible. It is for paper shred no. football. <laughs> <laughs> they just make it up rules as you go. Uh, that's what you do in paper shred football. <laughs> How about some close, but no cigar? Take the lead on this one. You got the whole stat line there. You got Tom Brady. 
who came up three passes short of the record for most consecutive pass attempts without an interception. Uh, I think he had 399. The record was 402. Held by? I believe Peyton Manning. That would check Why don't you out. kill some time while I check that? Yep. <clears throat> Go ahead and kill some time. Yep. How about you give us your bums of the week? Because we're on close but no cigar. Why yeah, but I'm kind of you know, we're switching up here. When we do that, you forget to look up the stat. Yeah, well, you know, if you want uh, if you want true stats, this is not the place to come to. It can't be that hard to find. Well, you put me on a spot like that. What are you nervous? You're not even sweating. Not nervous at all, but Google is sometimes inefficient. I typed in most completions without an interception. And this is not giving me any results. Maybe because I typed incompletion, not interception. <laughs> Most incompletions without an interception. Hey, look, again, I've been up for a long, long time. It's been a long day. <clears throat> that would be Joe Schmo, Jimmy John the Third, actually, with 6,232 incompletions with no picks. That is actually a true stat. I know. Um, Aaron Rodgers at 402, not wow. Peyton Manning. Oh, A-Rod, coming in hot. I would have guessed uh, probably Brett Favre myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, with that uh, cleaned up, now we can do Bums of the Week. Uh, A-Rod won last week. We're going to start doing uh, multiple pollings. Uh, We'll do probably two or three throughout the week. That way everybody, whenever you decide to listen, you can be involved in that instead of it just being the first 24 hours. Um, we'll try to make it more fair for everybody. Probably do one every other day after release. So, yeah, A-Rod won with a double pull. Uh, he got voted twice. There was Packers fans that voted him. And boy, did he prove you guys wrong. Anyways, new bums of the week. <coughs> you got Joshua J. Allen. And I got Justin Herbert since you want to pick on MVPs this week. I mean, can you make a case why Josh Allen shouldn't be bum of the week? Can you make a case why Justin Herbert shouldn't be bum of the week every week? Okay, come on now. You're just getting hurtful. Bum of the year. Calm down. The only thing good about him this year is his hair. Even that's an insult. Because he's got great hair. I know. Calling it good is insulting. Well, I don't want to say the only thing great about him is his hair. Because it's not true. Because the rest of his stuff's not even good. It's great. He's not even good. MVP 2023. You heard it here first. Um, Stretchered off 2023 at this rate. That's just not cool. Oh, I, Openly wishing for injuries on air. I'm just telling you uh, just what to be prepared for. Bum number two is a personal bias of mine and many other Cowboy fans. Mike <laughs> McCarthy. Bum. Aaron Rodgers owns that guy. He owned him when he was in Green Bay, and he owns him when he's in Dallas. Aaron Rodgers owns a lot of guys. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Who's your bum number two? Yeah, good call. Derrick Henry. Uh, again? At it again. It's with like his, his fifth nomination. That's uh, his second. But anyways. Derrick, I think it's like five. Derrick Henry back at it with the dog shit stat line. <laughs> 19 carries, 52 yards, two point, Oh, sorry, 53 yards. That matters. 2.8 average. How are you six foot seven, <laughs> 350 pounds of pure muscle, probably roided up, <laughs> and you average 2.8 yards a carry? 
And how do you let Ryan Tannehill throw two touchdowns? I mean, Henry didn't let Tannehill throw. He did. They're on the same team. If he was efficient, Ryan Tannehill wouldn't have thrown two touchdowns. Well, that's a team sport, you know. Not on Tennessee. It's and, a Derrick Henry sport. <laughs> Evidently not. He's put up two and a half. He had a Najee Harris-esque stat line. Yeah, there's a reason why they suck this year. And they're still, what, six and three? Sucky. They're still sucky is what they are. <laughs> You've got a lot of negativity flowing right I'm now. I'm very tired. Naturally. And the feeling is mutual. I have an hour drive home. Yeah, maybe we should have uh, taken up Cigar on their offer to stay upstairs on the couches. But should we have? That's a three-and-a-half-hour drive on the road. We'd be fully work. rested, though. We have to work. Not at 6 p.m. Well, I would have to come back here, then go all the way home, and then go all the way back. So it'd be, be like six hours of driving for me. Um, I did seven today, so bite me. Uh, well, I will, too. I was there. You didn't drive. You slept. I was a part and of snored me. like a fucking bear. Dude, I was tired. Mr. Oh, I can't sleep in the car. That was only an hour, though. Yeah, because I stopped for gas, and you better woke up when I opened the door. Uh, I was dozing myself back awake when you turned on Tom Segura. Yeah, I was I was kind of drowsing myself. I thought, man, I got to laugh a little bit to uh, <laughs> get back in the game here. <clears throat> All right, that'll wrap up episode 11. Um, once again, thanks to Steve and Jamie at Cigar, I was at Cigaro for the incredible hospitality, the great knowledge, the great cigars, and great interviews. They killed it. I mean, I'm really stoked for you guys. I want to listen back to these myself. I can't wait. Um, so much insight there in the cigar industry, the whiskey industry. The boxing judge was a, a world I really don't know a whole lot about, but learned a lot about today. Um, hopefully you guys will too. Again, I'm not even a huge boxing fan, but to hear all that was was really great. Um, I can't wait to do more stuff like that in the future and can't wait to go back to Cigarro in the future. And again, the first interview would have released yesterday, and the second one will release on Wednesday next week. Yes, sir. And hopefully, come the beginning of the year, we can start doing them once a month, give or take. Uh, that would be the goal, barring we have the people to interview. But again, thank you guys for the ongoing support. And we really appreciate you. And check out all our social medias. All the pictures of Cigaro are on there. Um, reach out to them on social media. Check out their website, CigaroCigarLounge.com. And with that, you know what we say. Time for bed. Sports and stogies. To the moon. Cameron Austin signing off. Thanks, guys. <laughs>